omnidirectional mics that mm-hmm. have actual like human ears on them. What? Like not real human ears. They didn't be ear well, people. Yeah. D ear. D ear. B. Well, it's like behead. I but... guess, but no, I think it's D. <laughs> D D ear. Yeah. But they're little like silicone ears, and they like. Ugh. But I'm like, what was the original purpose of these? It's so gross. If not for like. Very nice people whispering gently inside you to help you sleep. Don't say it that way. Okay. We're going to have a lot of issues this episode. Yeah, we are. I know. (laughs) Welcome to Hysterical History. Where we talk about history like it's a gossip rag. Yeah. Did you hear about FDR? Oh, my God. Did you hear? Did you know he can't walk? (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, in a wheelchair or something. What? That's why he never stands up. They legitimately didn't know that for a long time. Yeah, they had to keep it a secret because they're like, people will hate it if they, they find out. They have hold him up <laughs> behind a podium Yeah, and tables. It's insane. How far we've come. Yeah, now we know everything. Now we know he had the poles. <laughs> that polio. But he was okay. He was all right. Anyway, we're not talking about him. <laughs> he was okay. I'm Haley. That's Alexis. Yep. We, um... You want to learn about nipples? No. Well, this has been Hysterical History. (laughs) Bye. I'm Haley. That's Alexis. Join us next time. Yeah. No, Haley always has to pick something that's gross for me for some reason. (laughs) The only things that she likes are things that I find disgusting. It's not on purpose. It's just, you know, sometimes you Mm -hmm. find a friend who completes you and... uh, That's not me. When... when, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when they when they say complete you, they don't always mention that it's sometimes like all those worst bits. Mm. Like they fill in like the bottom half of the sewer. What? Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Delete this. <laughs> no. So I made like a crazy conspiracy board with yarn. Mm. Uh, and it's all pointing towards nipples. And you guys are going to come along with me on this. Nipples are gross. Uh, Yeah, they're weird. All of them. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to talk about nipples and regicide and Nicolas Cage. What? And St. Patrick. Okay. And human sacrifice. A lot of things that don't sound related. And it's all related. It's, I'm telling you, this cork, this cork board of conspiracy is amazing. (laughs) Nickel, oh wait, um, uh. Nippleless Cage. Nippleless Cage! (laughs) Was that not a blend Ah! you had? No, I was gonna do the, uh, what's, what's Nicholas Cage's name when he's mad? Nippleless Cage. No, (laughs) Nippleless Rage. Alexis. Oh, no. <laughs> and if he's a wizard, he's a nippleless mage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love I'm that ne- joke so much. I know you do. And now it's approved for you. <laughs> I'm never going to let you say nippleless after this episode. I want you to know. So really cherish it. Mm. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'll never let you say it again. Nippleless. <laughs> okay. Talk about history, please. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So this all started uh way back when like a couple of years ago I read somewhere really uh untrustworthy like Tumblr or something. <laughs> sure. Uh this little historical anecdote about how uh Irish kings, old Irish kings would um 
get their nipples sucked by their uh, subjects. Gross. As a sign of deference and submission. Just kiss the ring like normal people. <laughs> um, and uh, the the term, if you want to <clears throat> not have your friends think you're a total pervert, mm-hmm. is homosocial nipple sucking. That's not good. It, That's it, not a good term. It's not a good term, but at least you won't have Google thinking you're into really weird crap like mine does. Mm. I don't... After we're done with this, I just want you to think about the Google search history oh, that, yeah. that led to Already, all I mean. of this. It's like the death of kings, but also they're sucking each other's nipples. Mm. But I, I read this, I'm like, tell me everything, mm-hmm. because I am a total pervert. It's true. Uh, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Night and day dudes sucking their king's nipples. And why? And what was happening? Uh... It's typically a male act, and it's described as a way to pledge loyalty and devotion and submission. Uh, maybe in use uh, amongst the common men as a sign of friendship and trust. Hmm. Uh, but then there's, like, no sources. Sure. And the the post on Tumblr that I found was... Like, the most put together of anything I could find. I'm like, where are you getting any of this? probably fake. <laughs> right? Up. I'm like, this is such a weird thing to make up. Like, where did you Where did you start? Where did you go? Cotton Eye Joe, you're a pervert. Haley, they made up that What's-His-Face ate a cheese sandwich before he killed frickin' Franz Ferdinand. That's so, like... so, that's so pedestrian. <laughs> And they were, like, specific about what kind of cheese. I mean, like, you know. Cheese sandwich? Let me show you about. Let's talk about nipples, baby. No. Let's talk about you and me. No. Nipples. Nickel. Nippleus. No. Nippleus. So, everything on the corkboard leads back to nipples, and I'm going to explain what I found. Okay. So, the idea is that this goes back to, like... Bronze Age, Iron Age, uh, British Isles, that's, like, how old we're talking about. Okay. Like, very old. Like, very pre-Roman. And I couldn't find any primary literature. Mm. Like, at all. No archaeological, like, art. Yeah. No sculptures. No, uh, like, you would have to, like, go up to a, a Celtic king and be like, so... Yeah. What about those nips? Though. What about those nips, though? This is a good time to explain primary sources, in case people don't know. Yeah, um, a little, little uh, brush up. So primary sources are things at the time period that exist, that people make. Like, it can be paintings, or it could be letters, or it could be photographs, or whatever. But it's from the time period. You're studying the history itself. Yes, of what people wrote. And it might not be real, even. Because people lie and make stuff up. Right. And change stuff. But it happened at the time, and that's what matters. Yes. Uh, And then secondary sources are people talking about primary sources, basically. Right. Um, And then most, but like most things that you'll read are like tertiary sources at the closest. There are things talking about secondary sources which are talking about primary sources, which is why they're (laughs) often wrong. Uh, Why the numbers are always weird Mm -hmm. and confusing. Yeah. Because they're so far removed from the source. And generally, like, it's believed if you don't have primary source material, that's something 
uh, it's iffy whether or not it was real or happened. Super iffy, especially if you yeah. can't trace, like, where the rumor came from. Right. Because the- <laughs> some rumors will last for thousands of years. Right. And they're Be- fake. Because they're they're fun and <laughs> yeah. they have a lot of traction. Sure. Everyone wants to talk about the Irish king who got their nipples sucked. Right. It's interesting. It's interesting. And if you, like, Google this, well, first of all, if you Google specifically homo uh, social nipple sucking. Uh-huh. The first result is fan fiction. Oh, that's not good. Which is kind of amazing. <laughs> I approve, especially because it's Silmarillion fan fiction. Oh, yeah. I'm like, good job. Makes sense. Good job, Tolkien fandom. <laughs> good job. You've done it. Uh, so it's like, well, that doesn't super bode well as far as no. the like academics of this. <laughs> sure. Uh, but just if you like. Irish king's nipple sucking. And this is where we get into how Google just, I'm sure, thinks weird things about me now. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's all just people, like, the Daily Mail and, like, mm-hmm. people talking about, oh, did you hear about, like, some other guy talked about this thing and apparently this happened. I'm like, that's not, that's not good enough. So yeah, we're that's, like, worse than our podcast that's, <laughs> talking about it. It is worse. That's like, did you hear that this... Dude once talked to a historian who threw a sandwich he was eating, told him this story while he spit lettuce at him, and I caught every fifth word, Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure it was about nipple sucking. It's it's all just to get you to click on the paper and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, So we got to ask an Irish king. So we'll do that. Resurrect them. Kind of. So around 10 years ago, early 2000s, I guess it's over 10 years now, like Mm -hmm. 2003-ish, in a very short span of time, within like 25 miles of each other, two bog bodies were found in Ireland. Fun. And bog bodies are, uh, well, let's talk about bogs first of all. Because bogs are real interesting. They're sad. They're not interesting. They're no. kind of interesting. Uh, they're basically just like wetlands, kind of flat uh, areas that are mostly made of water and compressed vegetable matter. Mm. I looked at a swampy. picture of one. Yeah, swampy. Not like wetland swampy, mm-hmm. but kind of like uh, taiga looking like tundra swampy. Yeah. Which is why all the bog bodies are found, like, in Denmark and Russia and Ontario, Canada. It's a very... You've been stuck in there. Yeah, it's a very kind of cold environment. Yeah. I looked at a picture. I'm like, oh, that looks like where I grew up. Like, where we would go out and play. in a bog. When my mom was like, go out and play. And we went out into the woods and we didn't come back until dark. Go outside. I did not grow up in this century. Yeah, I know. I was like, you you grew up in the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, the 1680s. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the chemical composition of bogs are very interesting and unique. They are anaerobic, low oxygen, cold, and uh, they will just preserve things like no one's business. Mm-hmm. They also have a low pH, so they're acidic. Nice. Have you ever heard of bog butter? No. I um, I knew of this, and then it came up again when I was doing this research, and I remembered how much I just loved the idea of bog butter. So people occasionally in bogs find containers filled with butter. Why? Um, 
People aren't really sure it's possible uh, people of old put them in there as offerings, Mm. Uh, but the bog is just very good at preserving food. Sure. So it's also possible they used it as a kind of refrigeration, uh, kept it there for safe storage if they were under attack or they wanted to evade taxes or enemies. Like before when you told me that you used to store things in the winter on the porch. Yeah, exactly. But even safer, actually. They're... um, I want I put this as a note because it it really demonstrates the effectiveness of the bog chemistry in preserving things. Okay. Um but one widespread theory is uh food products were stored there to hinder spoilage. Mm-hmm. And experiments conducted by researcher Daniel C. Fisher demonstrated that pathogen and bacterial counts of meat buried in peat bogs for up to two years were comparable to levels found in control samples stored in a modern freezer. Oh. So it's it's very uh, good. It's effective. Yeah. So if you put a human body in there, mm. it's going to keep. Right. It's going to keep real good. Hold on. I have to interrupt you for a second. Okay. Because... This is, like, near the location where they also had the butter crisis. <laughs> and I'm like, you should have just dug up the bogs. Find, find the secret butter storages. Just just dig it up. And they're it's like, in I there. have to hide my butter. I'm going to bury it in the bog. That is a completely legitimate thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I, we'll, we'll have a, a link when we put this up, but someone, as an experiment, just buried butter in their backyard. Sure. In a bog. And they dug it up, like, two years later, and it was still, like, buttery and yeah. fresh and completely edible. Nice. Uh, people describe the taste as acquired. I'm sure. And earthy. Everything seeps in, you know. It's um, it's a, a, f- a bit of a funk to it. But edible. But very edible, very uh, clean. So bog bodies... When they're dug up, they're usually pretty Edible. old. <laughs> Edible. Very clean. Clean. <laughs> Great. Just perfect condition. You can pop them out and eat them. Put it right There's in your a mouth. bit of a funk, but very uh, hygienic. You get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> An acquired taste. Anyway. Uh, preserved cannibalism. Yeah. It's all right. Which is great because they, they look like they're made... They're basically like fruit leather with fingernails. Yikes. They're very, like, kind of wrinkled and very dark. Uh, the chemistry of the bog preserves skin and hair uh, really well, mm. but it, the bones will dissolve because of, like, the, something with the calcium and the acid. Sure. So it's like you took a human being and you kind of squished them. Ugh. And, uh... Like, um, what's her face in Doctor Who? Kind of. She's just like a skin piece. Kind of. And they like have to spray her to keep her good. <laughs> yeah, in a way. <laughs> Moisturizer. Yeah. I have a, I have a picture for you here. Oh. It's not as bad as I was thinking in my brain. Right. It's really not bad. Like you no. would you would know if it was someone walking down the street, you'd know something was up with them. Sure. Like you are pretty funky, your, my dude. Your bones have problems. You there's something weird going on. But otherwise it's like e- they're eerily well preserved. Yeah, it it looks just kind of like dead bodies do when you see them like at a funeral. Right. They just look empty. Yeah, they're just they're just empty inside. But they're like empty in the reverse way. Because you know, 
When, uh-huh. when you have funerals, they took all the organs out. Yeah. And, but their bones are still there. But when right. you do this, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Like, they, um, with the ones that still have their stomachs, you can actually see, like, what was the last thing they ate. Oh, cool. That's how preserved they are. Nice. So it's uh, because it's this natural mummification, it's very easy to find out how they died or right. very easy to see evidence of it. And the two that they found in Ireland uh, have exquisite signs of homicide. Mm. Uh, and the, the thought is that maybe they're just criminals uh, being put to death, but they're definitely not people who just got lost. Sure. Um, but people think maybe these ones weren't criminals, and I'll kind of explain why as I describe the uh, the people. So the first one, uh, actually it might be the second one they found, but the first one I'm explaining is called the Old Krogan Man. Great. They um, dated him. It seems he died somewhere around 362 to 175 BCE. Uh, he was in his 20s when he died. Mm. He's pretty much just a torso. He's missing his head and his legs. Oh. Uh, which was uh, probably how he died. <laughs> uh, using his arm length, he's calculated to have been around 6 foot 6 inches. Oh. He's a big boy. That's a giant. Well, especially for the time. That guy's like. He's huge. He's like 9 feet tall. Yeah, he may as well be. That's insane. He has uh, very well-kept nails, kind of manicured nails. His nails look nicer than mine do. <laughs> well, um, you know. Yeah. Like not he, as nice as mine. Not as nice as yours. Mine are painted. Yours are painted. They're, They're really nice. Yeah. Uh, so they think he was some kind of aristocracy or at least well-to-do. Mm-hmm. He didn't do any field work or hard right. labor. He's got pretty nails. Mm-hmm. I don't do any field work. That's how I have beautiful nails. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has uh, like a bronze uh, jewelry circlet around one of his arms. Oh, <sighs> What? He's a rich boy. Yeah, he's kind of a rich boy. Like, the the idea that someone's saying he's, like, a criminal, or, like, he's... I mean, I guess he could still be a criminal, but, like, why would he have a frickin' circlet on? And no one, like, took his stuff off him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't have it on. Right. So, no. Uh, so, whoever, uh, yeah, was involved with that, uh, this is from an article talking about him in Nat Geo. Okay. Uh, but he says... Old Krogan Man had holes cut in his upper arms through which a rope of hazel was threaded in order to restrain him. Oh. Or possibly tie him to the bog and make sure he didn't, like, get loose. Um, He was stabbed, his nipples sliced off, and then he was finally just, like, chopped in half. I'm I'm strongly on board with... Uh, George's feelings about this from my favorite murder, which is don't mess with the eyeballs or the boobies. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're men or women. No nipples, no eyeballs. Leave them alone, murderers. <laughs> what a good bumper sticker. No nipples, no eyeballs. <laughs> I should get you that, that bumper sticker that's uh, that's Creed, just, just listing body parts. <laughs> yeah. It's like two ears, a head, two eyes, a nose, one mouth, one tongue. <laughs> A, two nips. One penis. <laughs> and he's like, I've just described the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> and I was like, everyone knows Nessie's a girl. She doesn't have a penis. Shut up. Maybe she's a, a hermaphroditic creature. Produces I, asexually. I mean, maybe. Who knows? I mean, that explains she why. so long. Right. Why there's, she clones herself. Just clones mm-hmm. herself. That's smart. It's possible. It's smart. Nessie's a smart gal. Creed would know. Creed would know. <laughs> he knows everything. So the second bog body is called a Cloney Caven Man. Uh, he's uh, a little bit older, possibly, but really around the same time period, 392 to 201 BCE. He's a little bit smaller at 5'2". Uh, 
Oh. Uh, like 157 centimeters. That's pretty normal. He's shorter than me. He's two inches shorter than I am. He, I mean, that's probably tall then. Yeah, yeah, a like, while ago. like average. People are super down on him when they're describing him in these texts. Oh, they're like, he's a little tiny baby. Look at this tiny baby boy. No, like, <laughs> the, the human race has grown an average, like, in height significantly mm-hmm. because we're so much healthier now. Right. Uh, they so t- much more food. <laughs> right. We live. Right. And they talk about this, like, the the first guy, old Krogan man, yeah. he uh, was eating real well to be six foot something. No, that's humongous. He's huge. He's like a basketball player. <laughs> right. He can play basketball. But there's no basketball to play. <laughs> but there's no basketball. <laughs> it hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> what a what a horrible shame. <laughs> People just sit around sucking each other's nipples, maybe. And that's it. Gross. What else is there to do? And then cut his off to keep him. And then cut him off. Souvenir. They're like, we hated you, but we liked these. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Uh, so the the funny thing about Cloudy Caven Man, the thing everyone will talk about is his hair. That's short yeah. boy. Yeah, Shorter short boy. short boy uh, has kind of like styled spiked hair. It's kind of oh. like a a pom pompadour mohawk kind of thing going cool. on. And one of the best things I read was like he probably styled it that way to make him look co- taller. Like, that's so judgy. <laughs> that's so judgmental. He's not short. He's not for the, the time. <laughs> Come on! But the people would automatically go, maybe he just looked good? No, he wanted to be taller. No, he really needed a couple inches. He thinks he's people. No, it's the same It's the same thing and why it annoys me so much is because of Napoleon, right? Yeah, Everybody's right. Everybody's like, Napoleon's short. And I'm like, you're using the wrong inches. But then people hear now that he was like 5'7", and they're like, Napoleon's short. And I'm like, no, average at the time is 5'5". Five five. Mm-hmm. Napoleon is slightly taller than average. He's doing fine. Yeah. He's not short, no matter what. The the interesting thing about his hair, besides that it's just great, besides that he's a rock star, right, is that it is styled with uh, what people call it a hair gel. Cool. Uh, made of vegetable oil and pine resin, sourced from trees not from that area. It's not oh. from Ireland. It's from the south of Spain and France. So he's a rich boy too. He's a super rich boy. This is way in the way back, and he's importing stuff. Uh, this dude has like. Imported, imported hair, hair products, products yeah, from Whoa. the south of France. That's fancy druid kelp boy. Fancy AF. I thought it was going to be something gross, so I'm excited that it's just like tree resin and stuff. Right. I thought you were going to be nice. like, and whale blubber or something <laughs> nasty. Yeah, they put a whole seal inside and his sperm, brain. you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we also only have like half of him. Uh, I think the theory is that it wasn't part of his... The top half. The top half. It wasn't his murder, but, like, the peat digging machine that found him probably cut him in half um, is the idea. But... uh, Come on, people. Get it together. (laughs) Right. Well, people aren't expecting to Uh, find these bodies. Yeah. Uh, But his skull was split open by something sharp. He has deep wounds on the top of his head with parts of the brain found inside the wound. Mm. He was struck three times across the head, had deep lacerations on his face, and had been disemboweled. Murdered. Uh, murdered. Aggressively, too. Disemboweled is a lot. Disemboweled is a lot. So both these bog bodies were young men when they died, well off, almost unusually healthy at the time, and well killed for and met violent ends. Hmm. And they don't have their nipples. I also didn't mention this short boy didn't have his nipples. So they're probably murdered by the same person who's collecting nipples. Or at least, like, the same culture. Yeah. <laughs> or just, true. like, one weird, like, thief in the woods I who mean, cuts off nipples. It's possible. <laughs> it's very possible. I know a lot I just of love, weirder stuff that I happens. love that mental image, though. 
He's he, going to get your nips. Well, I like the idea that he didn't <laughs> kill them. He just stumbled upon body, and he's like, free nips. Hey, nips. Free and nips. He buries them in the bog, and they never find them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quick, I want to mention there are a number of other people just in the area that also are, like, well off in the same age group, like 20s who met violent ends. The Lindo man found in northwest England and found in the 80s. Uh, little evidence of hard work, uh, violent death, struck twice in the head, garroted, had his throat cut. Mm. Uh, the Cashel man found in Ireland, another adult male, 2025, 20, intentionally covered with peat after death. He's much older than the others. They think he's dated around 2000 BCE. Oh, wow. He's like 600 years older than Tutankhamun. He's an old boy. He's an old boy. Uh, had an injury in his arm, struck by a sharp object, breaking the bone. Mm. Body accompanied by wooden stakes. Thoughts on those vary from something to do with the actual death, ritual sacrifice, or it might have just been to pin the body down in the bog so he wouldn't uh, reappear Like later. a burial thing. Yeah, like some kind of burial. I, I've heard a couple notes in some of people talking about these that when they were buried, it was originally part of a lake. Like there was maybe a little bit more oh, water. okay. So if you put the stakes in them, they won't like resurface. Sure. Uh, there's also, um, oh, not not super related, but when I was reading about the Lindo man, there's a Lindo woman Mm. Found in 83. Pete Diggers found a decomposing human head with, like, an eye and some hair intact. Forensics identified the skulls belonging to a European woman, probably aged 30 to 50. Okay. Uh, police initially thought the skull was that of Malika Reinbart, who had disappeared in 1960 mm. and was the subject of an ongoing investigation. While in prison for another charge, her husband, Peter, had boasted that he had killed his wife and buried her in the back garden in their bungalow, which was on the edge of the moss on where the peat was being dug. The garden was examined, but nobody was recovered there. When he was confronted with the discovery of the skull, he confessed to the murder of his wife. The uh, skull was radiocarbon dated, revealing it to be nearly 2,000 years old. <laughs> You fool. Tricked ya. I love it. It's my favorite thing. That's great. Uh, all Idiot. these bodies are found near uh, hills of spiritual importance, religious importance, where kings would be okay. uh, not knighted, ordained, I suppose. Sure. Fancy King. places. Fancy places. People love hills in the British Isles. I mean, yeah, you know, you're up on top of stuff, you got a good view, closer yeah. to God, blah, blah, blah. It's great. Spirits love it when you're high up. That's right. Moses, you got to climb those mountains to get mm-hmm. the rules. Go. So if you see a citation on any of this bog bodies related to nipple sucking, it's probably attributed to archaeologist Dr. Eamon Ned Kelly, former keeper of Irish antiquities for the National Museum of Ireland. All right who I think maybe passed away recently. Oh, no. Super sad. One of the things I looked up, because I was like, tell me about your life, Dr. Kelly. Doctor. Dr. Kelly. Sure. Uh, it's like, oh, he passed away, like, just this last April, April 20th. Oh. Blaze it. Uh, so, Dr. Kelly uh, examined, like, some eight bog bodies with similar enough stories, and what uh, he says in one article calls it a radical interpretation, but I don't know if it's radical because it's weird, or it's radical because it involves a lot of nipples. Or it's cool. Or it's, it's radical. Just, it's so rad. Bow. Yeah, exactly. Bow, bow, bow. Radical. 
But he says, uh, quote, these men were failed kings or failed candidates for kingship who were buried and placed in bogs that formed important tribal boundaries. Both Cloney Caven and Old Krogan men's nipples were pinched and cut. And he says, sucking a king's nipples was a gesture of submission in ancient Ireland. Cutting them would have made him incapable of kingship. Ah, they're neutering them. They're neutering them. They're taking their chest balls. They're pretty much. Yeah. But I'm like, where did you get that though? Like, how does he know about like, the how nipples? Do you, how do you know? Why is there no other literature? So Sir? I, so I had to go deeper. Mm-hmm. He talks a little bit more about it. Uh, he says the bodies may have been offerings to the goddess of the land to whom the king was wed in his inauguration ceremony. Mm. Uh, and basically, like, if the king doesn't do well, then the land won't do well. That's and fair. he's, like, failing his, uh, his purpose in office. So uh, kill him. So you got to kill him. That's you kind of you got to cut off the the poisoned like part of the body before it infects the rest of it. Yeah, and then you get a new king. Cut off the head. Exactly. Uh, I've also read that Irish kings in the ancient period were replaced after a number of years. So instead of like if they just weren't doing their job, uh, you know, just replace it periodically, like cat litter. Hmm. It's gonna get bad. Just just do it ahead of time. Like presidents. Yeah. The old king would be sacrificed and a new one would be chosen, uh, which tie, which would maybe tie into religious beliefs surrounding a solar deity and the deity of the land. And by presidents, I mean like when we used to do presidents, when you could just keep going forever. Right. right. You got to get... People like, whoa, four is too many FDR. Yeah, you got to get a new one. You're the king now. That's not good. I know. Um, and this, we're a lot nicer because we don't kill them when we're, they're done. Yeah. We, <laughs> we pay them for the rest of <laughs> their pay, lives. We pay them. Just to live. Just to be there. It's amazing. It's the opposite. Yeah. We also don't have to suck you their be- nipples. It's, which is good. It's a trade-off. You become the king after you're done. That's true. Uh, So I had a hard time finding even his original articles. It's all like people quoting him. Oh, gosh. Uh, But then I realized I already had one of his articles because I had accidentally bought the book uh, months earlier. And that is The Archaeology of Violence, Ah. which I have right here, Interdisciplinary Approaches by the Institute of European and Mediterranean Archaeology Distinguished Monograph Series. I um, have a bookmark here, so I'm going to hand it over to Alexis so she can look at pictures. Ooh. I also want to note that Haley is doing a lot of, like, extensive digging research for this. Uh, <laughs> I don't do that. Mostly, I usually don't do that. This yeah. I, is The nipples drew me in. <laughs> I'm like, tell me everything. Their skin does look like fruit leather. It's real creepy. It's a little creepy. Their hands are They have a close-up of one of the nips in here. Oh, no. It's pretty great. And it's not, like, totally cut off. It's like like they they started. okay. I see it. They started, and they didn't quite get around to it. It's not like a suckable nipple anymore. They just kind of, they destroyed Mm -hmm. it. And that's what nipples are for. So, like, what's the use now? Especially male nipples. Completely useless. Yeah. They're just there so they don't look like aliens. Yeah, it really is. if they didn't have them, you'd be like, what? Mm, You're not real. That's strange. It's like when you don't have a belly button. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not a human. So he talks a little bit more about it in that article. uh, And he, he mentions that... The uh, there were stylized representations of breasts and nipples on uh, like gold uh, wearable jewelry that they might wear mm. indicates that it was possibly a custom that went back to the late Bronze Age. 
There are other references in early written sources, uh, he says, that linked human sacrifice to gods in the area associated with the Harvest Festival. And he cites another couple articles that I wasn't able to track down. But if you have access to a university archive or something and you can find uh, G.F. Galton's Ritual Killing of the Irish Kings in Folklore, Volume 81, or Miranda Green's Humans as Ritual Victims in the Later Prehistoric of Western Europe from Oxford Journal of Archaeology, feel free to send them to me because I'd love to take a peek. Yeah, it's too bad that we aren't doing this podcast when we were actually in college because, yeah. one, we had a lot of free time when we were in college to not do anything, mm-hmm. and two, um, we had access to all the things. Yeah, I miss it. Yeah. It's great. I know, it's nice. Uh, I did find um, a lot of Dr. Kelly's articles uh, that you can just download. Oh, nice. Uh, but most of them are just rehashing like that article that sure. I already had in the book. Right. He doesn't have any new sources that he mentions. So either it's well, like... now he's dead, so he And now won't. he's dead. So, so he won't. We miss you. So R. me... R. Kelly. Me being an at-home DIY pervert historian need to try to confirm a couple new things. Mm. Uh, did the old Celts perform human sacrifice, especially on their kings? Were the nips actually sucked? Yep. That's the mystery. And if I can't... Ascertain if it was actually done in Ireland. Is there any precedent for this anywhere? Right. So I'm like, is this happening all over the place? People just start talking mm-hmm. about it. Just kissing, kissing the nip. And kiss nip. Any nip kips? Mm-hmm. Nip kips. Nip. Mm-hmm. Little little kipper with Isn't your breakfast, kip, but it's like a nip. Uh, I mean, kippers are like a, a food. One of my roommates used to always say she was going to take a kip I've on never. the couch. Is that the one who like Britishisms? Yeah. Hmm. Her mom is from Germany. Well, obviously, for someone who likes British things, mm-hmm. right? I so think, I think Kip is nap. Maybe small nap. Write us, email us, <laughs> tell us about your Kips. My former roommate. Uh, so the problem with human sacrifice is that it's a matter of intent, mm. and that doesn't preserve well over time. Yeah, it's the first thing to go, really. Yep. Uh, homicide isn't sacrifice until it's for a magical purpose. Right. Uh, which is hard to suss out when your cold case is 300 years older than Jesus. Uh, so the Celts were not native to, this is just some kind of general background. background. So the Celts weren't native to the British Isles, uh, and that culture wasn't native to them. The earliest signs of the language of that people were more Central Europe, kind of around the Rhine. Mm-hmm. And over time, there's a migration of people westward and northward. And people think there's either... Well, it used to be they thought it was like waves of invasions into the British Isles, mm. kind of in the Iron Age. But now they think it was more just like a slow osmosis of people sure. over time, maybe as late people as the Bronze Age. People, like, move... And the fact that, like, the short boy had hairstyle products from south of France, who would have also been, like, the same general culture, uh, means that there was probably some trade going on. Yeah, there has to be. Uh, And that was kind of swirling around, and they were doing their thing right up until uh, Rome kind of gets in the way and kicks open the door and burns everything. Freaking Rome. Freaking Rome. everything. And that happens around 40... 50-ish BCE, when Julius Caesar is in office, he does, like, a real big successful campaign in France. The um, Gallic tribes in Gaul, who are Celtic tribes, or Mm -hmm. Germanic and Celtic tribes, um, 
Which, which is why when you think like Celt, you think Ireland, Scotland, right. Wales. Yeah. It's basically all the places in the UK the Romans didn't get to. Yeah, because they live. They, they kind of like hid out and kept their stuff. So, but thanks to Rome, we have like written accounts mm-hmm. of at least some of the stuff people are getting up to. Nice. Julius Caesar goes to war in Gaul, modern France, and that's against Germanic and Celtic tribes. And when he gets back, he describes what he claims to have seen the Druids getting up to. Uh-oh. And there is a notable pattern of sacrificial practice in their daily lives. Wink. Notably, uh, they have a practice, he says, of containing innocent people in a large sacrificial ceremony where hundreds of people were burnt alive at one time to protect the whole from famine, plague, and war uh, in a very conspicuous shape. And this is where we get the wicker man, mm. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. They're freaking, <laughs> they're like thanos in up this joint. It's pretty great. They're like, we got to get rid of some of these people. We're going to starve. He uh, provides a detailed account of the manor, uh, claiming they have images of immense size, the limbs of which are framed with twisted twigs and filled with living persons, these being set on fire. The question is, do we trust this guy, the guy who's leading the invading army? Yeah. Like, maybe not, like, super a right, lot. Right, because he's going to be trashing the culture and everything. Right. It's weird, too, because, like... Until recent media times, I think, in, like, the last ten years, mm-hmm. um, my understanding of Druids was, like, they're nice, nature-loving people in the woods. You right. Know, who just kind of, like, I don't know, like, they make potions, yeah. they perform rituals, whatever, but it's, like, it was, like, nature-based, like, soft witchcraft. Yeah. But nice. But nice. Like, not sacrificing people. It's the, the, the myth of the noble savage. Yeah. Kind of extended to Europe. Right. Uh, but surprise, everyone kills yeah. people. Yeah. And at the time, uh, I don't know how much we can trust uh, Julius here. Sure. Especially I don't be, ever trust him. Especially because a lot of what he's writing is kind of achronistic. Yeah. Uh, anachronistic, as well as the kind of the usual invader trying to make the other side look weird. But a lot of it kind of mimics the writing of other people at the okay. time who had kind of studied that culture. Uh, Suetonius and other writers we met when we talked about Nero are also writing about it, but that's, like, later. Mm. Uh, a Greek geographer, historian, Strabo, Strabo uh, around the same time recorded the Celts as practicing hu- uh, divination through reading of human entrails. Oh, gross. So kind of like how you would with the sacrificial bull. Sure. Like, you take out the intestines and you kind of read the signs and see what the gods are thinking. Yeah. Like, if everything's nice and healthy, then the crop's going to be good. If it's all, like, the liver's all blackened and nasty, then you need to get a new bull because that was not the right answer. Yeah, they have a disease. Uh, Which is interesting because, as we noticed, the bog bodies are all disemboweled and missing their stuff. Right. Uh, one bog body in the Netherlands had intestines drawn out through a small incision. Mm. So there's uh, interesting. Ooh, they're doing like special, like fancy surgery. Right. So the first question, are they sacrificing people at all? Even if it's not kings, there's probably some sacrifice going on. I mean, it's the time in human history when it's not that weird, and (laughs) pretty much everyone is doing it everywhere. Right? I was going to say, like, everyone's doing it? Yeah, so, So uh, probably unsurprising. I don't know if they're making a huge wicker person and filling it with people. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) That's so extra. It's super extra. That's what Romans do. 
Right, because the the Romans are very like, oh, we would never do that. It's like, you did it. You burn people in bowls. You did it. Come on. You like super do it. You do it all the time. Uh, Rome also accused the Carthaginians who they were at war with earlier in history of human sacrifice, but they were right. Sure. They did. The black people. (laughs) The blacks. (laughs) I should say that they're in Africa. (laughs) North, North Africa. Yeah. North African Phoenician based culture. Right. Which is like so close to Romans anyway yeah. in culture, really, yeah. that it's like whatever. I think mean, that's why they hated them so much. They like saw themselves in it. Yeah. And they're like, we're not like these dirty people who mm-hmm. are a slightly darker shade of brown than we are. Right. Gross. So, uh,. All our media makes Romans look really white, and I'm like, probably not. And not from have, where they live. Right? And they all have British accents. Yeah. No. Mm. Because most of them they are being made. They look like Italian Greeks. Right. Because they're like the, the, the like most Middle East. successful imperial force in the world. And the next most successful is us. The Well, I was going to say oh. the uh, England. Sure. Which is why they all have British accents. That's fair. Uh, in the future, when someone else supersedes us, all Romans will have American accents. <laughs> <laughs> and we will take the... Uh, Take the baton and continue running towards the the apocalypse. So let's get it to the titillating meat of the matter. The titty. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to start broadly and get more specific because that's kind of where I start. I'm like, so tell me more about this nipple sucking thing. Right. Is that... Is that a thing? Even a little bit? Please tell us. Is that even remotely a thing? Right. Uh... And I found some really surprising nonsense. Hmm. Like, not nonsense. Just, I'm like, what? What the hell? But most of what I'm going to be talking about is from uh, a paper called Fosterage Kinship and Legend When Milk Was Thicker Than Blood. And it's Hmm. a question mark for some reason. But basically, it's talking about this idea of milk kinship. Or adoptive kinship, uh, which is the creation of family bonds where there aren't any. Right. It's politically entangled construction of kinship and its practice, or was practiced, kind of all over. But the idea is... um, It's like adoption. It's like wet nursing taken to 11. Okay. So um, it's also called co-lactation, which I hate. Woof. Yikes. But you foster allegiance with fellow community members, including people outside your own, like, socioeconomic class. Sure. um, Using the act of nursing by the non-biological mother. So a child from one family will go to another family, be nursed on a different mother, and therefore be, like, adopted into their family. Right, into, like, their clan or whatever. Yeah. Sure. It sounds like old school, yeah. It's, like, super old school... Things. Yeah. Um, so it's widely practiced in early modern period in many Arab countries, including that in northern Pakistan, like the Hindu Kush, like way, way out there. Sure. The Prophet Muhammad was sent to foster parents amongst the Bedouin and had a milk mother, a milk brother. Sure. And that's what that's referring to. It's yeah. this milk kinship. Old school. Like old school. Uh, there's an anecdote that crazy horse nursed with every woman in his tribe, and this was common to the Sioux uh, to raise their kids that way. So. Sure. For every warrior, every woman in the tribe was their mother. Right. So that's the idea we're going with. And folklore also points to areas where milk kinship was practiced, uh, like in northern Africa, Iran, Central Asia, the Balkans, even Mongolia. The main focus of the paper is uh, on 
Adelic Fostridge in Abkhazia, near the Black Sea, uh, near the Caucasus and okay. Georgia. Sure. So slightly wet, more west, but not like super west. Nah. Uh, so he writes, this is going to be kind of an info dump, mm-hmm. but the meat of it, the, the titty of it, mm. is in there. Must you. Titty. I feel really bad for our <laughs> listeners right now. I'm so I wish I could sorry. edit it out. I'm so sorry. Taking a pause, so maybe you can edit it out. No. So, Abkhazian milk kinship could be extended by symbolic suckling at the breast, incorporating adults as well as infants with identical moral obligations, uh, including, like, impediments on marriage, uh, you know, just basically, like, fealty between families. Sure. Uh, ritual adoption by token suckling or breastbiting was employed Ugh. to diffuse suspicion of adultery or to create conciliatory milk kinship after blood feud. Mm. So it's a way of uh, bridging gaps among Don't the community. Call it breast biting. <laughs> I mean, it's better than nip biting. It immediately makes my boobs hurt when you say <laughs> breast bite. No. Uh, it was also used to create reciprocal bond partnerships with a mutual quote biting of the breast of one or both of the adoptive brothers' mothers, and occasionally of their own male nipples, as <sighs> also occurred in the Hindu Kush. So I guess that makes sense that it occurs first with women because mm-hmm. that's actually doing something. Right. And then it just spirals out of control. Kind of spirals. It goes from, we're going to have babies drink from all the moms mm-hmm. or from your moms so that we're like the same. Right. To, we're going to have babies, also adults drink from the moms, to, we're going to have babies and adults drink from the moms and also from each, From each other? It's just like, it's carrying over the symbolic action and keep, even though it doesn't make literal sense it doesn't anymore. make literal sense anymore yeah. so the article continues uh that symbolic adduction was primarily deployed as a performative rite of fealty between peasant and lord uh so there's like it, like kings of a sort are being involved in this sure uh but it's uh, yeah it's just fealty yeah creating fealty so one Gross. the biter is welcomed into their clan, their family. Sure. And the bited is obligated to protect, etc. Yeah. Uh collective vassalage by breastbiting adoption would be undertaken by whole village communities with regional bailiffs allied by real or symbolic milk kinship to feudatory overlords who were allied in turn as fosters and milk kin to ruling princes. I mean, it is interesting in the idea that like the person in charge uh, who's being bitten uh, is being vulnerable in a way. Right? There's like, like, it's very vulnerable. Normally it's like, you know, you bow in front of me and kiss my ring mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm up and I'm in a position of power and control and right. you're not. Mm-hmm. Or like you kiss my feet or yeah. something. Like, Putting you in like a low position. Right. And, like, that's weirdly, like, one, like, intimate, obviously, mm-hmm. but, like, also, yeah, vulnerable for the person in charge. Right. Which is the opposite in the future. I guess it could also be, like, there's a, a humility aspect for whoever is doing the sucking. Right. Because it puts you in a very... like a baby. It, it makes you a child, mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, like, it's saying, like, I'm your mom. Yeah. You're my kid. Yeah. Um, so it goes on. Who's your daddy slash mommy? <laughs> Basically. Me. It's kind of like, who's your daddy? It's me. I'm the king. Kiss my boob. Kiss my boob. What? 
Us. That's not what I do to my dad. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, weird. Uh, Can we just play baseball? <laughs> That's what I do with my dad. Right. Can we Throw just like toss, toss the ball maybe? Can you just teach me how to ride a bike again? Like, <laughs> why, don't you, stuff? why don't you ever teach me how to ride a bike? Uh, no, because you won't suck the titty. Because they don't exist. Right. Bikes aren't real. Bikes, this is all they can do. Bikes aren't real. <laughs> you know that. Everyone what, knows. What have I told you about bikes? <laughs> They're not real. So the ethnography as of these people and milk kinship goes into a little bit more detail of the symbolism of infant fosterage elsewhere in Western Eurasia, including in Old Irish legend. <sighs> For example, in one of them, a legendary king is said to be instructed by leprechauns in the custom of sucking at the nipple as a token of submission. This rite is brought up in Old Irish sayings, which explain why they have a word for breast or nipple, which becomes synonymous for peace treaty and friendship, and why, quote, breast-sucking refers to sworn loyalty in the Confessions of St. Patrick. Is he sucking uh, the leprechaun's nipple, or he just tells him this is a thing to do? You know, I'm not sure. It's I didn't a weird actually read it. conversation. It's a weird conversation. Either way... Mm-hmm. But then he's like, hey, you know what would be cool? And that sounds like a trolley thing for a leprechaun to tell you to do. <laughs> you know what would be cool? You know, it would be suck his nipple. Great. If you suck. That's how you get the king to know that mm-hmm. you're, you really believe in him. Right. And then he's like, hee, hee, hee. Aren't leprechauns, like, also tricksters? I don't know if they're I mean, they are now. I don't, I don't know in the old Irish sure. legends. Things change when they pass over the ocean. That's true. Uh, but I'll look into that. Yeah. So... Uh, fosterage, which isn't explicitly, like, milk kinship. Sure. But just the idea of, like, kids being passed around to different uh, families yeah. to strengthen like foster social bonds yeah. uh, was a huge part of kind of the national culture in Ireland, Wales, and Scotland uh, prior to and kind of up through the English taking them over. Okay. Uh, and so we know all about, like, fosterage as a significant cultural thing. Because the English love to go on about people and things they hate. That's true. Uh, just complete colonial abhorrence towards any of it. I mean, and it's, like, no offense to British people, but it has seeped into their culture. They love talking about things they don't like. Yeah. In almost everything I've ever watched of theirs, or, like, any time I've heard anyone speak about anything, mm-hmm. it's almost always something they don't like. <laughs> And I'm like, do you like anything? Quiet. Quiet. Yeah. Or very loud. Viol- That's true. Quiet violence. Mm-hmm. And tea. And tea. And the queen. And the most confusing humor possible. Is it funny? <laughs> I don't understand. It's pretty funny. But I have a quote from William Good in uh, The Descriptions and Customs of the Wild Irish from 1722, hmm. uh, who just it just says, All who have sucked the same breasts are very kind and loving and confide more in each other than if they were natural brothers, so that they will have an aversion even to own brothers for the sake of these. Uh, I'm kind of building a... We- this is like the yarn going from place to place. There's oh. just little tidbits. Little oh. n- nip. No. Tid- okay. Stop. Uh, so we hold on, hold on. I was gonna say um, it reminds me of um, because you you kind of mentioned this earlier mm-hmm. of um, blood is thicker than water. Yes, but that the full phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Yes, so it's 
mm-hmm. basically like, and that's like specifically religious, right? Um, which is basically like the later version of this. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know, people that you choose to be in like kinship with are more important than your family, right? Like your actual, you know, um, blood family. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and this time it's milk instead the, of blood, right? And the Arab proverb does use milk. Which mm-hmm. is a reference to milk kinship. There you go. Uh, so, let me see. They change it to blood later because it's cooler. No, no, no. I mean, instead of water, it's... Oh, or, it's milk. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm just thinking about milk coming out of your womb. Gross. Um, I mean, they used to think that. Yeah. Uh, that um, milk was basically a... Slightly different kind of uterine blood. Mm. Delete this. This is the grossest <laughs> part of the podcast by far. By far. Yeah. Uh, so in medieval Ireland, um, they have uh, legendary figures fostered by representatives of all parts of society. This is just part of general myth. Sure. Uh, and by being fostered to everyone, they would be obliged to defend all of them. Mm. Uh, kind of like a king. But plural fosterage was not uncommon in medieval Ireland. Sure. Uh, it was normal for a child of high status to be appointed a principal fosterer at birth who would then subcontract the child's nursing and training to sub-fosterers. Uh, fostering was thereby used by great dynasts, particularly in the form of multiple fosterers to acquire a political following of lesser nobles. Dude, this is like a whole, like, this is like a corporate system of... It's very, very milk political. Happening. Political milk. It's weird. And that's that's medieval Ireland. So it's pretty removed from pre-Roman right. Druidic practices. Sure. Just the same, suddenly nipples sucking as symbolic political ties doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. Right. Uh, it's described as an act of submission. We kind of talked about this, but it's, it's really like a, a two-way street. Yeah. Uh, but medieval Ireland brings us back to St. Patrick, who we mentioned. Of course. And in the Confessions of St. Patrick, this is very early medieval times, like 450 CE. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a story of how he, when he needs to get out of Ireland, uh, he needs to take a boat, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't have any moolah. He doesn't have any cash. Sure. So he goes up to he's the... he's a saint. He's a saint. He doesn't have any money. Hmm. Uh, and he goes up to the sailors. He's like, can I just, like, go? And they're like, No. You have to have money, stupid. You have to have money, stupid. And he's like, oh, okay. And the sailors let him leave. And then the sailors come back, and they're like, uh, I mean, okay, you can come, but you got to suck the titty. So weird. And he's like, I didn't suck the titty because I love God. But that's that story. And it comes out of nowhere. The way they usually uh, translate it and... Is uh, And so, on that day, I refused to suck the breasts of these men from fear of God. Hmm. There's a... Uh, right, because it's it's submitting to these worldly people, and he's like, no, I only submit to God. It's very... Uh, and it's very pagan, too. Yeah. He's not doing right. this pagan thing. Right. Because he's a good old God boy. That's right. That's why he's a saint. There's... Uh, when I was researching all this, uh, I got linked to kind of just a letters to the producers for the uh, British show QI, which is an amazing, like, uh, quiz info yeah. humor show, which if you haven't seen, you, sh- like you absolutely show, should. Kind if you of. like our podcast, that'll be, like, 
that on crack. But this letter to the editor basically says, uh-huh. Back in the fourth episode of the series, you perpetuated the myth that the ancient Irish would suck nipples as a sign of subjugation. I'm like, oh, interesting. Mm. Uh, and they say, The origin for this ancient practice is in the same saga, but it's not therefore a custom. It is, in fact, a parody of breastfeeding. And this is talking about the leprechaun thing we right. talked about. Sure. Uh, and it's playing on the smallness of the leprechaun, literally small body is what that word came from. Okay. Uh, and the fact that he's an adult male and is the king who is shocked by the incident and it's not appropriate for either of them to engage in breastfeeding and therefore was a joke. And it, <laughs> it all caps. That says the only other mention of nipple sucking comes from St. Patrick. However, St. Patrick is as reliable a source for pre-Christian Ireland as Caesar is regarding the continental Celts. I'm like, that's, that is true. Yeah. Uh, and but once again, like they don't list any sources, so sure. either they have access to some really good history stuff, or they're a very displeased time traveling druid. Yeah. Hey. Hey. You're bad mouthing us again. Misconstruing. Why does this always happen? I will say, on that topic, that Saint Patty has a motive to embellish greatly, mm-hmm. but he has something to gain by depicting pagan practices to set himself up as a good Christian. I mean, he also said he got rid of snakes, and there weren't no snakes. He's a liar. There weren't any more. He's a liar. He's a nipple-sucking, snake-fondling weirdo. Liar. Liar. Can't trust him at all. And uh, But he mentions it so casually. So even if they didn't ask for him to do that, it... It's something in common parlance. Fake news. Fake news. So Patty may have had motivations to embellish, but also possibly to, uh, I don't know, depict pagan behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as you mentioned, snakes. Lies. Lies. St. Patrick is filled with lies. Or truth. No. It was a miracle. Lies. Snake miracle. No. Snake sin is eternal. Uh, but he's something to gain from depicting practices, and even if they didn't literally ask for him to suck the nipple, or even if even if they didn't ask at all, right. just bringing up that idea um, tells me that people would have like understood the meme. I guess right. It's like it's like a parable, right? It's like, like a lot of times when Jesus tells stories and parables, they didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. He's teaching you a lesson through what's happening. And St. Patrick's right. just, like, n- probably not used to writing them. Mm-hmm. And so when he writes them, they're He's, very literal yeah. and they sound ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's not real. That's what? Nobody ever asked you to do that. But, uh, yeah, at the same time, like, the, the familiarity that people may have had. Yeah, they, like, for, sig- yeah. for parables to make sense, like, the, there has to be a cultural consciousness of the symbols right. of what's going on. Either the so. the custom or the history and belief behind it. It came from somewhere. Yeah, the, they have to have some idea of what it is. Uh, one, one comment I read somewhere said, Of course, there's another explanation, namely that a bunch of rowdy sailors told Patrick, Get lost, God boy, there's no way way you're sailing with us, only to call him back at the last minute and say, oh, all right, we'll let you come along if you suck on these. Sure. <laughs> like, They're just being rowdy boys. Uh, mostly heterosexual men have such weird obsessions with nipples. It's true. They're always, like, grabbing at each other, twisting yeah. them. 
purple nurpling. Titty twisters, yeah. It's outrageous. None of this seems out of the realm of possibility just because dudes are obsessed with nipples. Did I tell you? So when I was in uh, seventh grade, mm-hmm. I had my first boyfriend. Uh-huh. And we, for some reason, even though we were in seventh grade, like, after lunch, we had, like, outside time. Like, yeah. not recess, but we just, like, stand around and, like, Right. It's like a, like a weird smoke break. It's very strange. <laughs> it's very like, strange. Like, thinking about it's weird. And it would be for, like, yeah. 30 minutes at we, least. Yeah, we had, we had that, too, but it wasn't, like, designated. It was kind of like, this is your time and you're allowed to go outside if oh, you want. ours was, like, you eat in the lunch and then you have to leave the lunchroom because, like, other people have to come eat. Sure. Like, other kids. Right. So you have to go outside. Gotcha. Because your teachers aren't ready for you yet. They don't want you. Yeah. So it was like a full hour of like lunch and then outside time. But one time, um, my, so my, my brand new boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, Josh yeah. Cohen, is adorable. I love him. Shout out to Josh. What's up, Josh? I'm sure he doesn't listen to this. I try to look him up on Facebook. He's a ghost. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Cool. Impossible. I mind. wish I could date a ghost. He's like one of the only people from like long ago in my life that I'm like, oh, I'd love to see how Josh is doing. Mm-hmm. It never happens to me. Yeah. Can't find him. Impossible. Wow. So, uh, he probably wasn't real. So, he uh, he was like tickling me. Mm-hmm. Um just, like, while we were hanging out, like, or whatever. And a teacher came up and yelled at him. Oh. Because they thought Inappropriate that he touching. Was, yeah. They thought that he was trying to give me purple nurples. Oh. And what? I already had, like, I was already, like, decently well endowed. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm like, and we were both like, no, no, no. Like, that's not what's happening. We are, right. like, very innocently, like, seventh, seventh yeah. graders, like, tickling each other. Right. That's it. That's um, it. No uh, breast grabbing. But yeah, that's like the first thing they thought was happening, which mm-hmm. was weird. And not that, yeah, and not that it was suggestive in any way. They thought he was trying to hurt me. Right. <laughs> and I was like, no, like, well, and I, we obviously didn't, weren't like, we're dating because mm-hmm. that would have made it worse. Yeah. Um, Just but a couple he, of like, 12 year olds trying to grab nips. Yeah. It was either right before that or right after that. I think it was that same day he gave mm-hmm. me like a little stuffed animal. He won me at the fair. Oh, cute. Yeah. It was adorable. Very, anyway. Very innocent. Yes. Little babies. So not like today's seventh graders. No, seventh graders actually do go. They're like, I'm gonna give you like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna twist that nip so hard you do a cartwheel. Yep, you're welcome. <laughs> They're intense. You're welcome. Uh, so what's the bottom line? I guess the bottom line were those bog bodies found on important uh, kingdom boundaries, the remains of old rulers who got their nipples shorn off because underlings need something to suck on when you're king. And the answer is it's plausible. Possible. Yeah. I I don't know enough yet, even now, to say for uh, even confidently, like, yeah, that seems really uh, likely. Yeah. Like um, Dr. Kelly. Right. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Yeah. That's what it means. R. Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that every time. I think his middle name is a P, so every time I see him, I Eamon P. Kelly. Mm. Mm Mm-mm. Um... So you know how there's a there's a nipple, stand for myth, like Mythbusters where they're like busted yeah and then they're like real I don't know what the regular one is when it's true confirmed confirmed yeah. this is like maybe yeah strong maybe I I think it is uh, plausible because that's that's why yeah. that's why I put plausible down because mm-hmm. I like Mythbusters yeah there you go plausible uh, and one more time for the record Nippleus Mage. 
Nipple. I really want you to appreciate that I told that joke, even though it hurt me to tell it. And I knew you were going to repeat it so many times. It was so, like, it was so Christian of you to give me the whip with which I was going to harm you for an hour. You're welcome. Nippleless mage. Mm -hmm. Ooh, but I'm not allowed to say this ever again. Yeah. So I just, mm, nippleless. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, cut this out. Nippleless. They don't need to endure this, too. Well, that's all I got. My cross to bear. <laughs> uh, Irish nipple sucking. Homosocial nipple suckling. Probably. Probably. Uh, Gross. Dudes do way weirder things with their nipples with each other. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, I was talking about this the other day. The other thing is, like, dudes love hurting themselves. Yeah. Like, they they also like hurting each other, but almost not nearly as much as they like hurting themselves. Yeah. They love doing stuff that's going to hurt them. It's very weird. Which is why I think they do, like, titty twisters. Yeah. I don't even think it's to hurt other dudes. I think it's because there's going to be retaliation, and they know it. They're so weird. So bizarre. Weird. And, rem- <laughs> and it reminds me of us watching um, Stand By Me. Uh-huh. Like, how often those kids are, like, putting each other in a headlock and smacking each other. Right. And it's so weird watching. It's like a weird, uh, like, you're an anthropologist watching right. when you're a girl. It's, and you grew up around girls. <laughs> exactly. Because you're like, what are they what doing? Is, what interesting behavior. Why are they like this? Cultural. They're so mean yeah. <laughs> to their friends. Hmm, social bonds. Girls and are you're not, like, we just played house in, like, a tree house. Uh-huh. You know? We just went into the woods and pretended to be wolves. Sure. You know, the important skills that you need in your adult life. Yeah, me and my best friend, Ben, who turned out to be gay. Mm-hmm. Um, no sign of it. No. Out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Out of nowhere! <laughs> but, uh, we used to just hang out and pretend like a pizza man was delivering a pizza and he was going to murder us. Cool. Yeah. Or we'd go into the mirror world and then everything was bad and we couldn't get back. Nice. A lot of our fun games ended in doom. That's it. It prepares you for the real world. Like, he had a real version, like, uh, of Jumanji. Nice. Not, like, real, real. Like, oh. things come out of it. Less but, like, nice. It looked like the board. That's and cool. I was always afraid of it secretly. Yeah. Anyway. All right, listeners. What's up? Suck on your... No. Ca- okay. Stop. Don't. Okay. This has been Hysterical History. <laughs> Send us an email at hystericalhistorypodcast uh, at gmail.com. Direct about all whatever you want. Cease and desist letters, recommendations. Yeah. Um, if you do a uh, review, please send us your like name or screenshot it for us so that we know that you did it. I just remembered that we have an email that we need to talk to. I haven't responded to it yet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, hold on. So Danny sent us an email um, the other day, and your email was adorable, and she was our secret reviewer that we didn't know happened before we asked people to review us, I think, um, that we were confused by. Uh, we're sorry. <laughs> uh, your your email was adorable where you apologized. You don't need to apologize. Your review was nice, <laughs> and you gave us good stars, and we're glad that you enjoy it. Um, yes, please, please leave reviews. Yes, please do. Danny, you're great. You were very adorable. And multiple of your suggestions sound very interesting to me. Uh, one of them is about someone in the Eiffel Tower, so I immediately mm. was obviously into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Toronto Circus 
Massacre Riot sounds pretty fun. <laughs> that's the name of my next album. <laughs> yeah, that's my band name. Yeah, Toronto Circus Massacre Riot. It sounds um, like a My Chemical Romance song or like album. Yeah, <laughs> and a cool and uh, I mean not a lady we don't know about, but Annie Oakley to mm-hmm. check out. Uh, which I don't know a lot about her. Just like pew pew pew, you know. <laughs> just pew pew pew. That's it. <laughs> Annie pew pew pew. Annie pew pew. <laughs> Church pew pew pew. Um, but no need to apologize, Danny. Thank you for emailing us. Thank you for reviewing us. And if you guys want a shout out, you can email us. I already told you where. Uh, send us a screenshot or just your name or whatever. Whatever. I'm, we'll probably believe you that it was you. Yeah. I mean, we don't have very many reviews. So if you go through the effort to review and to email us, mm-hmm. I'll probably believe you. Yeah. Um, and if you do, you can uh, help pick a topic. Like, we're going to work with Danny right now to try to pick one. And uh, she's even going to name the episode if she wants to. Because that's the special treatment you get for being nice to us, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not above that. So please do it. Do it. Just You're great. do it. Be like Danny. Danny's great. Danny. And, uh, oh, I wanted to also shout out to, I have to remember, Madeline. I hope you like this episode, Madeline. It's about <laughs> it is. Uh, English people, kind uh, of Irish, kind of. Uh, in the area. In it's the about area. Uh, kind of anthropology, archaeology type yeah. things. Uh Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm very sorry because it was not intentionally. <laughs> yeah, we'll have uh, a future one for you. Yeah, we'll have a, a more intentionally, more, your, specifically more specifically, Anglo-Saxons. <laughs> but I hope you liked it anyway. We kind of like got up to your topic and then just like swoop, sidled <laughs> so, right around it. Anyway. Anyway. And if you have any suggestions, listeners, for any topics, email us and we'll look at it and try to do it. If we think it'll work. I like that we did kind of talk and about we'll the English, but only like to disparage them. Yeah. <laughs> the English suck. I anyway. She, I think she'll like that. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't like English historians, so she's got That's a healthy true. dose of self-hate for her people. <laughs> it's a good thing to have when you're English. It's a good thing to have in general. Just in general. You should have never, you know, it's like, I don't like 4th of July. No. Because I'm just not that into America. It's like, it's fine. The, uh. Uh, John Oliver had a joke where he's like, I can't go to any museum in the world without starting to feel guilty. Right, because the British did something <laughs> bad there. It's you. If someone was there before you and they did something nasty. Yep, it's true. Anyway. But yeah, get bye. a healthy dose of self-hate today. For your, self-hate today. I mean, for your, your people, not for you. You're great. <laughs> self-hate your no people self for, today. No self-hate for you. Communal hate today. Communal hate today. <laughs> Take a nice dose of communal hate. Oh, my gosh. Have a nice glass of milk with that communal hate. Yep, but not from boobs. Not from your foster mom. That's weird. Bye. Bye. Sorry, I apologize. Bye. Nicholas Mage. Bye. 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 Bye.